everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we have a great guest for you. So we have Casey Balsham with us. Casey is a stand-up comedian. We'll tell you more about her after we do our beginning matter. But she is just wonderful. This feels like it was really a friend catch-up checking in with her. And she's one of the funniest people that I know. I don't know. Becca, would you agree? I mean, she's a professional comedian. Of course, she's one yes. of the funniest people I know. I know, but I, I've met comedians that I don't think are that funny. So I, I think she is hilarious. And I just love – I loved catching up with her. Me too. But before we get into it, tell me about you. What is your – what is your high? Well, I'll actually already be back tomorrow. I am leaving for Vienna and I'm going there for three nights with Sarah Flint. We talked about this a little bit more in like the stress about the lead up to it. But now I'm like starting to pack. My mom's picking me up and taking me to the airport tomorrow. We're going. I cannot wait. We are staying in the prettiest hotel. We're going to the opera. We're going to different palaces. Casey just told us that apparently they have amazing ice cream in Vienna. I told you that. You told me that. I can't remember who said what. It was one of you. (laughs) They have like all these like very old-fashioned fancy ice cream parlors. So I'm going to have ice cream. I'm going to go to palaces. I'm going to go to the opera. And the whole best part is like, I mean, this is the best part isn't just the trip. It's that I'm designing a shoe with Sarah. So this is really to pull inspiration for that collaboration. And I like cannot wait. That's so exciting. It's such a quick trip yeah. too. I know. I mean, How I like that you are. I like a quick trip, to be honest. I don't really like being gone from home for more than four nights, which like makes me sound super cool, but it's just how I am. I, I like being home. So I like to like go on a trip and like pack all the things in and then come back. Yeah. Be with my cat. Yeah. What is your high? Um, My high is that I had my lovely low-key weekend last weekend after doing so much travel, and I just – I didn't have plans either night of the weekend. I dog sat for Rachel's dog on on Saturday night, so we we hung out. We cuddled. I watched a ton of TV, and I I got the itch on Sunday, and I was like, I want to start a new knitting project. So I started a sweater. I'm going to knit my second sweater. I have that like beginning of a new project feeling where I'm like fucking obsessed. I started knitting it on Sunday and I decided that the yarn I have is not the right yarn. So I'm going to scrap it before I put too much time in and I ordered new yarn because I mean, my sweater last time took me like six months. So I I want it to be what I want. I don't want to yeah. make a half-ass sweater. If you're spending all that time, it needs to be perfect. Also, money. Yarn is expensive. Oh, my gosh. It is. I remember I I was a knitter for a brief period of my life. Like, I think when I first moved to New York because – and I was – at the time, I was like, well, I'm really poor and I want to make baby blankets because all my friends were starting to have kids. And I was like, wait, I'm spending $100 on yarn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really expensive. Um, But I'm I'm excited about the project. Oh, I can't wait to see it. My sweater is going to be hot pink. Great. What about Lowe's? My low is just that I have felt this week like I am just in a vaguely bad mood all week. Not for like any particular reason. On Tuesday, we were originally supposed to record this on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, I was in a fucking awful mood. I couldn't sleep. I woke up at 3 in the morning. This is actually kind of funny. I woke up at 3 in the morning and I was wide awake. And I was having like a lucid dream where I was pitching Taylor Swift uh, showmance the the TV show. And so I was like mid pitch and it was like kind of a weird stress dream. Yeah. But anyway, I was like wide awake and then I couldn't fall back to sleep. 
And then I ended up sleeping way too late. I mean, all of these are stupid things. There, There's no reason why I've been in a bad mood, but I just have been this week. Yeah. I don't know. I'm in a bad mood if I don't sleep well. And also if I don't eat enough, like those two things will like really throw me over the edge. So yeah, I'm in kind of a no reason bad mood, not just that day, but like continuing. I'm in yeah. a little bit of a better mood today, but um, yeah, that's my low. What's yeah. yours? I didn't post this on social media because I didn't want to get – I noticed that. I, I purposely didn't because I didn't want to get a lot of DMs about it because I was already feeling bad. <laughs> I was very sick this week. I had like the UTI from hell and it's all better now. So please, there's no need to DM me about this. It got in my kidney. So I had to go on like really strong antibiotics. Usually I'll just treat a UTI with cranberry juice and cranberry pills and like the azo pills for symptoms. Like it probably been like four or five years since I'd had one. So I kind of forgot how awful they are. I got put on these really strong antibiotics and I still have two more days with them, but I think my body's adjusted to them. I think I was more sick from the antibiotics than from actually being sick. I was on what day was it? I guess Monday or Tuesday. I was so sick and so tired and in like a lot of pain. And so I was just laying down and I decided to watch Titanic. And I remember like that scene where the water is like gushing through the the building. What a weird movie to watch when Not you're the building. sick. It looked good. It was like it's three hours long. Leo and Kate like like Only nostalgia. the first half of Titanic is great. And then the second half is like crushingly sad. Well, I kind of forgot that. I decided that I was going to watch it. The water stuff made me yeah. so nauseous. I stood up. Oh. I ran into my bathroom. I'm sorry, guys. This is gross. I projectile vomited all over my bathroom. It was the absolute worst. And then I got a headache from being dehydrated. Then the next day I was still sick. I had to move my whole week around and it's right before a big trip. So we canceled one one podcast recording. I canceled one photo shoot. I'm so behind on like every deadline that I have. And yeah, I kept it off social media because I feel like people just want to play doctor and I didn't have the energy for it, <laughs> but I'm a lot better now. And Tomorrow is my last day of antibiotics. It's also the day I fly out. And I think I'll be I'll be fine. Today I actually had a lot of energy. I had to shoot because I was so behind. I had to shoot five <laughs> ad campaigns, <laughs> which is a lot. Like usually in a day I'll shoot like one or two. I'm doing okay, but it was a horrible week. I'm glad you feel better. I think you know I'm sick when I'm not talking to the camera and I'm just like posting TV and like random things. <laughs> yeah. Shall we take a little ad break before we get into the interview? Yes. So I am so, so excited. I might be too excited about this sponsor. Um, it's Everly Well. And I'll tell you why I'm excited about it. But Everly Well offers affordable at-home lab tests that are going to give you trusted physician-reviewed results. You can choose from tests including food sensitivity, metabolism, sleep and stress, thyroid, and more. So for me, for as long as I can remember, I've had a really sensitive stomach. I know that I've narrowed down the foods that I think I'm sensitive to, but I feel like that's ever changing and you just really never know. So I was very, very excited to take the food sensitivity test. This week, I just completed my Everly Well food sensitivity test and I am so excited to get my results back. I think that knowing how to feel our best really shouldn't be so complicated. And the great thing about Everly Well is that they can help you learn more about your body so that you can take control of your health and your wellness on your own time. 
So it's really, really easy. Everly Well ships you your test straight to your door with everything that you need for a simple sample collection. You return the test to a CLIA certified lab with a prepaid shipping label. And within days, you'll get your results back. I was pretty amazed by how quick and easy the whole process was. I really wish that I did this sooner. I don't have my results back just yet, but I'm going to keep you guys posted when I get them. I just think this stuff is so interesting. I know I'm not part of this ad, but can I ask you, is it a blood test or a spit test or something different? So it's a blood test. You prick your finger and then you squeeze out four drops of blood on these little circles that they give you. And then you put those in the bag and you send them back. But over a million people have trusted Everly Well with their at-home lab testing. And for Bad on Paper listeners, we have a special discount just for you. Everly Well is giving you 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash BOP. Again, that's everlywell.com slash BOP for 20% off your at-home lab test. Everlywell.com slash BOP. Let's get into the interview. We're so excited to be joined today by our friend Casey Balsham, who's a stand-up comedian here in New York City and is also the host of the Shady Shit podcast. And her upcoming stand-up special, Inconceivable, is taping on October 26th in New York City. And it's all about her experience with fertility or lack thereof. And I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for it. Quick content warning before we get into this. If you are going to be triggered by talk of fertility... It'll be funny talk about fertility. This episode's (laughs) not for you. So see you on the next one. Yeah. Casey, I am so sad that I'm in Charleston and I can't come to the show. I have such fond memories of of your shows. I actually, that's how we all met. Yeah. I saw one of your shows with an ex-boyfriend and then we had our Bad on Paper live show and I was like, we need this woman to be our opener. She's amazing. And then we became real friends. I know. I was so happy that you had reached out because it was funny because when you followed me, I was like, oh, this girl has like a lot of, I was like, I like her content. (laughs) She's got a lot of followers. And then when you reached out to me again, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And it was, you know, I got to meet a lot of the other people in your circle and stuff. And and your first live show was so good too. Oh, thank you. I remember also that we insisted that you come out to drinks with us beforehand because we wanted to like vet you in some way. Like, <laughs> yes. I don't know what we were going <laughs> to, we had, we had an audition process. She so, eat cheese. Does she drink? Okay. This is going to be fine. Yeah. Like, we were really formal. What could have caused us to reject you at that point? But we were like, we should meet her beforehand. <laughs> I know yeah. we totally, we had a full on scheduled, scheduled drinks and snacks. And then it went, and, and that went fine. So we got to do it. It was fun. It was Yeah. And we had, we had, that's what we did. We had cheese, oysters, and cocktails. And then we're like, okay, she's one of us. All right. <laughs> we like I her. I feel like that's a good vetting process though. Like if you don't like, listen, grow up like oysters. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'm, it, it, we're almost 40. It's time to start liking oysters. I'm 40. I'm 40. Just turned 40. Okay. And I'm almost 40. That's right. I know. And your birthday looks so incredible. Oh, thank you. But it's time for everybody to like oysters, you know? Yes. I- <laughs> I'm pretty neutral on oysters. I like them as a vehicle for cocktail sauce, which is inappropriate to just guzzle. <laughs> Listen, if it's if you need to use it as a wet spoon, that's fine with me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> totally that's exactly fine with what me. it is to me. <laughs> if it's just so that you can have the vignette and the or vignette or whatever the 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 like um, the vinegar mignette. sauce, yeah, and the, yeah, the min- mignette. There it is, the vignette. That's wine, isn't it, or something? Mm-hmm. But whatever. If you need a wet spoon to to drink whatever you need to, that's not okay. just a wet spoon, a very pricey wet spoon. Yeah, that's an expensive spoon. It's an expensive in season. It has to be in season too. <laughs> I have 
to tell you, my sister's the same way, but with bagels and cream cheese. I've never seen anyone put more cream cheese on a bagel. And I was like, that's kind of gross. And she's like, no, the bagel's just like my spoon for the cream cheese. And I was like, okay, interesting. So does that. I go, I go like, I do light cream cheese. And my sister's like, whatever you're not putting on hers, just put like. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the bread. Like I could eat bread for like every single meal. That's, I'm a bread. I'm, well, I love cheese too, but like the bagels, I can just rip one of them apart and just eat it. I don't think I would. Yeah. I don't think I'd even (laughs) just give me the bread. I want it. So wait, Casey, for people who don't know you, can you walk us through your career and how you got to where you are today? Which I've heard some of this story and I'm very excited to hear how you wound up being a stand-up comedian. Oh yeah, of course. It was, listen, I was one of those people that like, if you look at my eighth grade yearbook, I was always just like a a ham. Like I always was just loud. It's so funny now when people being funny when you're little, I think just means that you are extremely obnoxious. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like, like looking back, I think about some of the things I was doing when I was like in eighth grade in high school and I was class clown, but I was like, I wouldn't have been friends with me. Like I would have been like, this girl is too loud. She's got a weird haircut, like whatever. But I, um, I'd always been the funny person. People were like, Oh, this, that. And in college, I was a theater major because obviously there's, you know, I, when you're, I didn't want to do any school. So I was like, will this make everybody happy if I just, you know, study lighting and (laughs) lines and weird things like that. So I was a theater major and they were doing like a benefit for the theater department. Um, and they were like, everybody's doing stand up, And I was like, no, 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 I'm scared. I don't want to do it. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, I could be funny in the moment, but I didn't want to actually like put any work into it, which is like a very, which is pretty much what I do for my life now. I'm just like, can I just, can I just wing it? Oh, you want me to write something <laughs> down? I'm sorry. Um, and, and then that I, is very, I remember we saw your one woman show and you were like, I wrote this today and it was great. <laughs> oh, it was so good. <laughs> Thank you. You have a gift. I had taken a Vyvanse like the night before and like just powered through it, which is like, what's a Vyvanse? It's I think pretty much kind of like an Adderall, but okay. I just, it really it's just like off brand Adderall. It's like, it's no, no, I no, it's very much. Well, I mean, it's not exactly Adderall. It's not. A, it wasn't prescribed to me, so I guess we'll Is go. Is it yes. speed? <laughs> it just. It literally makes you sit down. It makes you want to clean your house, and it makes you want. It's meth, probably. It's prescription okay. meth. Okay. But it prescription worked. meth. I rewrote my whole show, so I know I'm thinking about. If I wasn't going through fertility stuff now, I'd probably take one to rewrite the show too. <laughs> but I'm not going to do it to my doctors. Yeah. So I, I did that. But so I, they convinced me to do stand up for the college thing because I think I was drunk at a party and they're like, just do it. And I was like, fine. And then it was, I think I took like a couple shots of Jägermeister because because co- college, you know, it's just yep, like yep. Jaeger and thin eyebrows go together. And so I, <laughs> I took Jaeger and I just did it and it was fun. And then I didn't do it again for like a month. And then I kind of just like dipped my toe in and then I freaked out and moved to Hawaii for three years and then decided I still wanted to be a comic. So then I moved back and that was, you know, I think I've been out of Hawaii for almost 11 years now and I've been kind of doing it since then and in New York for almost eight years And now, and then I finally, after 11 years, feel like this is what I was supposed to be doing. Like, I finally was like, oh, this was, this was what I have been like waiting for and trying to figure out what I, cause it's so, I mean, you guys know with a creative career, when there's nobody telling you what to do, you have to like, kind of find your own like end of the road thing. Like what, what am I, what, what house am I looking at? What is, cause it's not enough to just be like, oh, I would just want to make money doing comedy or I want to be a comedian. I had to 
focus my attention. And then also being in comedy for the money doesn't seem like a <laughs> yeah. gamble. Although the comedians that are making money are making a shit ton of it. Jerry Seinfeld's just making all of it. Jerry and then there's like five other people, but they're very yeah. rich, but they're doing very well. I mean, but so I just, I had to, I, I, I needed to like hone in my focus as to what exactly this job was going to be for me. And you know what? Lo and behold, 11 years later, <laughs> there was hope. There's hope for it yet. So I, I was like, this is what I was supposed to be doing. I was supposed to be talking about my experience going through IVF and infertility and make it funny because it's so heavy and so sad. It sucks, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and so I was like, I've been talking about it on stage and being in a male dominated field too. It's not like people were really asking a lot of updates on it. You know, even though on stage for three years, I'd been like, I can't get pregnant. I can't get pregnant. I can't get pregnant. Now it's like four, four years on Halloween. The hecklers weren't like, how's your uterus? Yeah. 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 Not at all. And so I was like, oh, this is, this is something that I actually want to talk about and feel like I need to kind of do for just anybody feeling this way to like not have, cause everything you look up about it on the internet and everything makes you scared. It makes you feel like you're doing everything wrong and everything's so sad. And I was like, there's gotta be a different way to like, look at this stuff. So, so we want to, we want to talk more about the fertility stuff, but yeah. we have some other questions first. Oh, let's do I mean, it. Yeah. Okay. Wait, not on the, not on the outline, but do you remember any of your material from your first stand up set? I'm just asking. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Tell me a joke. Tell yeah. me a joke okay. from your first stand up set. So this was, so it was truly, it was one of those jokes that like, cause Casey, your microphone looks like a vibrator. I can't stop looking at it. Oh, sorry. Sorry. She has, you want me to lower it? It looks like the magic wand. I'm dying. <laughs> It's so long. I wish I could. We need to take a pic. I don't. My phone's in the other room, but I'm just laughing. I'll take one. It take looks on, like I'll a, show you a Please take this for reference. Also, like, how the fuck is it that vibrators look like this? Like, how are we like, give it like, do you know what I mean? Like, how am I supposed to? Yeah, I know. But it, <laughs> uh, but they, they do. And I'm very Ooh. distracted right now. I know. God, I first time I got a rabbit. I was like, what in the hell? I didn't plan on using both my hands as well it was like just a wild ride like, <laughs> just do it for me I thought that was a point I'm sorry I didn't know that I was gonna be I didn't know that I was it was gonna be so vibratory <laughs> but here's the thing with comedy is that sometimes when you don't know a joke's funny yet when you tell it for the first time it is funny and then you can like it's hard to recreate it because it kind of was like spontaneous. So I had this joke about, and it was so funny because afterwards everyone was like that joke, that joke. And I could never make it as funny as it was this very first time I did stand up. I was talking about how when you're in like a bathroom stall and somebody walks by and you just get like a shark eye in the crack. And it was, see, <laughs> see, it's like, I can't even recreate it, but it was something. And I did like some kind of bone and I did some kind of like movement with, with my head that everybody seemed to remember and I could never tell the joke again. It was just some kind of shark eye in a crevice in the crack of a bathroom stall. And that's the only thing I remember. Oh, and I think I remember saying something like, my mom acts like a magician because she like announces everything she does. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to eat chips now or something. Like I, I'm, I'm cleaning the house. And that one I wasn't able to like live down really. <laughs> that was one of my friends were like, you can, that one wasn't as great. <laughs> I actually think that's quite funny. <laughs> Thank you, Becca. Thank you. <laughs> But that's all I remember from the first set I did. What about moving from LA to New York? What what was the impetus behind that? And I think it would be fun to hear the difference between the comedy scenes over in LA versus New York. Oh my God. So 
LA, listen, I, the thing is that like, I never hated LA. I didn't realize how much different it was until I moved to New York though. Cause I fucking, I just love New York is just, I think I was just always meant to kind of be in New York, but essentially it was Robbie who is my now husband, who was my friend who kind of put it in my head that he's like, Hey, I think that me and you take comedy a little more seriously than our friends. Like mm-hmm. we should go to New York because we weren't doing any of the LA stuff. You know, we didn't yeah. have agents. We didn't have managers. But like I was just driving a Honda Prelude very far to do 20 minutes for like <laughs> a bucket of chicken. It was just not like these were not the LA dreams I'd thought of. But I, you know, I loved the beach. I love sunshine. I love not wearing shoes and pants. So it was a re- that was actually the biggest transitions coming to New York. I was like, oh, I had to buy like socks and <laughs> figure out like how to layer. It was fucking wild. But, but he said, let's move. And so a year after that, we moved here together as friends to do comedy. And now we're married. How'd you get together? (laughs) Yeah. How did you guys get together? I think you told us this at one point. Oh yeah. Uh, Just drunk the first night when we were in New York, we didn't have beds. So we (laughs) get hammered because we have to sleep on the floor and we did. And we made out, we were like, "Uh Oh, is this a thing? And then like, (laughs) but also didn't, you had another roommate. We well, yeah, like up you- until a year ago. We we've been a threesome. We've been it been me, Robbie, and Amy all moved together almost eight years ago. And we finally, like after the pandemic, she went home to New Hampshire for a bit and we finally moved in alone. And now she's got her own place. We just went to dinner with her actually. But yeah, we had a roommate for most of our relate our relationship. It's been wild. Did she have a bed or were you just like all I'm just confused at how this all works? <laughs> Yes. No, we each had our own room. She didn't, we didn't make her sleep on the couch or anything. We all, yeah, but on that first night in your apartment, what was Amy yeah, doing? Yeah, what was, that's like kind of what and I, Robbie are banging on the floor. And no, she's we weren't just banging. We just, listen, I put on a, a onesie, like full on, we didn't have blankets. So I had a full on onesie and he kept trying to like touch my boobs. And it was funny because he couldn't get in there. It was very silly. She was in her own room on her own floor. Oh, and Robbie just happened to sleep on my floor because we all had our own bedroom when we first. He moved didn't in. have his own floor. No, he did, but we had decided we were going to make out, so we had just driven cross oh, country together. Wait, so you preemptively were like, "We're going to get drunk tonight, and we're going to make out." Well, not we didn't say it explicitly, but we had oh. just driven across country together, and then we got hammered. And I think I just, I think I put on a very sexy forty nine er onesie and was like, "Should mm-hmm. we make out?" And he's like, "Absolutely." <laughs> onto the wood floor it was just rolling around on hardwood now that's your husband (laughs) and and now we're married and we and we still roll around on hardwood you know it's just just for old time's sake (laughs) I feel like if there's any like really young listeners listening they're gonna be like oh yeah that like this is like a bad example (laughs) oh I know I know but you know what it could lead to it could lead to marriage and infertility so go for it How has your pandemic been? I feel like, I mean, comedy is not a very, uh, not a very pandemic proof industry. Like what's that been like? I have to tell you, I didn't mind the break. I was so. Also, what? I'm, I asked you a question that immediately needed to interrupt you. Do you remember that we went to a Broadway show the we, night the before very lockdown? Last, we were the, there was the last Broadway show. Yes. The yeah. Broadway lockdown yeah. the next day, as did the world. And both of us were like, I don't think it's that big a deal. Like, I don't think this is going to no. be anything. And we like, we went to a Broadway show. And then the next day they were like, stay home. Yeah, forever. never come out. Like, oh. Never, ever come out. I know. I can't believe we got that show in at the last minute. That was very. And then I. Or that we didn't get COVID at that show. I know. Because it was already in that theater. It had like come oh, out that it was like a, a security guard at that theater had it. But I was like. No. Yes. But I was like, that's why. That's why. Um, 
Morgan didn't go. But I was like, you know what? I have a feeling this theater is going to be cleaner than it's ever been. And I was like, oh, let's go. Oh, I remember go. that now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then man. you convinced me that I had to go. I was going to stay and have one more martini. And you were like, I think it's time to go home. I'm like, you know what? It's time to go home. <laughs> so glad I did. Because when I got home, I was like, I'm drunk. I mean, it was your last night on the outside. We did it now. So, I mean, if you had, I know. if you had another martini, like. I would have. Now, looking back, I would have. What, my whole yeah. life could have been changed for one more martini. Yeah. But besides that, I really, I was having a hard time before the pandemic. I was just kind of tired of comedy and I was like not enjoying it anymore. And I was ready to actually quit. I like was, had been grappling with this idea of quitting stand up for a while. And then I got to take a break. And then I actually started to really like comedy again from Zoom shows, which most comics hated. But I was like, I have done so many worse shows going to Brooklyn for way less money than sitting here in my house and just talking. Like I, it made me really like, like writing and, and it, it took the performance out of it and kind of made it more about words, which I just, I don't know. I think I, I, I honestly, sometimes I'm like, think that I maybe started the pandemic because I really wanted a break. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I did this. <laughs> But you manifested it. I manifested it. But I actually, I, I went through my waves. Like there were times when I was like, I'm so bored. But there were also times when I was like, you know what? Like, it's nice to know that we're all the same right now. Like, it's just, it was nice to know that, that there was like a shared experience that everybody was having that was not great, but that it was like happening to not just me, you know, cause yeah. you know, like, again, like being a creative, if you take a day off, sometimes you're like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm falling behind or I should be doing something. I shouldn't be taking this time. And it's like, you just, you have to, and then you have secondary emotions about taking time off and like all this stuff. And I was like, it was nice to know that we were all taking time off. So there was nothing mm -hmm. to feel bad about. Cause I think I always felt bad if I took a break. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and, and so it was really nice to take a break and have no other emotions about it besides I'm taking a break. It was like your permission slip. Mm -hmm. It was signed, signed by the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you also had a big pandemic personally. You got married. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got. So you and Robbie didn't kill each other no, when you were at we got, home. Mm -mm, we got both not doing stand up. No, we got married in a car on the side of the road. What? Our first wedding was um, we rented a convertible and a lady married us in our car, right? Like across the street from our house. <laughs> On purpose? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. It was called like, I, I Do Drive Through. <laughs> That's like, it was oh, like a I pandemic was, it was, thing. <laughs> it was unclear oh my God. to me whether you were just unpacking your groceries and some woman was like, do you want me to marry you? <laughs> or if you like arranged it? No, no, no. We paid her. No, no, no. She was, oh, okay. she, she cost money. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But we, I didn't know if you were just approached by some woman who was like, she's like, listen, I can do this for you guys. No, we wore eighties clothes and we sat in the back of a convertible and we got married. It was pretty fun. It was like a hundred degrees out. It was so hot last August. I almost killed my nephew. It was like, he was a baby at the time and he was sitting in the front seat with my sister. And we were like, I was like, I'm so sorry. That baby's going to melt. It was terrible, but it was fun. It was really cute. And what about your second wedding? What did you do for that? Okay. So then the actual wedding, which by the way, I would suggest this to anybody. I know it's not traditional, but get married before your wedding. It's really, it takes the, like, it takes the pressure out of it. So our actual wedding that was planned for May of the pandemic year that got pushed to July uh, of this year, we had a two-day party in the woods. Like uh, it was like a grown-up summer camp. Like everybody stayed in cabins, and we did a uh, we did a roast the night before, so people could get up and like roast us. And it was 
very that is silly. So fun. It was very silly. Uh, we put out a bunch of edibles. A lot of people took way too many. And it was just, we were like, we're in the woods, guys, get crazy. And then, uh, but we all like ate lunch together and breakfast together. And, and then the wedding was just, it was, it was just very, like, it was just, it was a lot of, I think it was needed because nobody had been like away or partied in a long time. And it was right before Delta. So I feel like we got in, in this really weird window of where they might've started to like shut things or, or, or limit capacity again, but it was fun. And it was like almost a year to the date of us already being married. So it was kind of like, we knew what to expect. So it was, we were able to just kind of relax and have fun with it. Yeah. I loved it for anybody that says like, save the money. I would say, don't save the money. (laughs) Go have the party. It's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's take a quick ad break. So after 18 months in a pandemic, We're taking stock and thinking about how to cultivate more happiness in our lives. And maybe you are too. And maybe you need some help doing that. You've been hearing us talk a lot about BetterHelp. And maybe you're wondering, is BetterHelp right for me? Well, we think BetterHelp is an awesome service that's right for pretty much anyone. But specifically, if you're looking to pinpoint or address anything that interferes with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who may be able to help. They make it really, really easy too. So first you'll fill out a simple online questionnaire that assesses your needs. Then they'll ask you about your age, relationship status, past experience with therapy, and what you're looking to address. And then they'll match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 24 hours. Then you can choose how you want to interact with them. You can message them anytime, no scheduling needed, or have phone or video sessions. It's really whatever works best for you. And something we really love is that they have counselors who are specialized in specific issues like stress, anxiety, relationships, parenting, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, family conflict, LGBT matters, self-esteem, and more. All told, they have over 20,000 licensed professional therapists. And what's great is that they're committed to facilitating great matches. So if your first therapist isn't a fit for any reason, they make it free and easy to switch if you need to. And anything you share is always confidential. Best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash bad on paper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash bad on paper. Back to the episode. So we also know that you're now trying to have a baby. And I think that it's really, really brilliant that you've kind of combined comedy with infertility. I think it's such a heavy thing that affects so many women. And I think people are really nervous to talk about it. So I think we'd really like to talk about how you started developing this act and, and the reception so far. Yeah. I, um, like I was saying it, it is really, it is so heavy that like I needed a brevity, like I needed some, not brevity. I needed some Is levity the word when I need to like levity? levity. What? Yeah. I needed a brevity levity. I needed, um, I needed something lighter than what I was feeling. And obviously like, I'm lucky that I can channel it into this, uh, art form, I guess you can call it. It really does just feel like psychopaths telling secrets on stage, but we can call it art. Um, I needed, I needed that for myself because I didn't, like when you're going through it, you don't really, f- it doesn't feel real, you know, like even though I was like physically sh- shooting myself with hormones and taking pills and, and doing all and going to the dot, like I'm, I'm, you know, currently 
when you're in the middle of an egg retrieval, you go to the doctors every day. Like, even though this was all happening to me and I was peeing on sticks and never getting a, a happy face for ovulating, like, even though I was doing all this stuff, it didn't feel real. It felt like it was happening above me. Like it was not happening to my body. So kind of writing about it and talking about it made me tapped into me connecting with it more than I thought it would. Um, even though the way I was writing about it was by making jokes about it, I was still kind of like feeling the emotions for the first time that I hadn't like let myself feel. Cause I was like, don't think about this. It's too much to, to think about. So it really is something though, that like, I don't know. It just, it just, it's one in four women, you know, it's like, it happens to so many people and everything as a, the woman, it makes you feel like it's always your fault. You know, it's like just everything about it is very blamey. Like, what did you eat? What did you do? What did you, what happened? And even like the word miscarry makes you feel like you did it. Like you carried something wrong. Like you, like, I'm like, it just, all of it feels so blamey to me that I just, I had to kind of, put it out there a different way to, to, to lighten it up a bit. Well, I also imagine it's like, I I've never tried to get pregnant, but I've spent so much of my life trying not to get pregnant. It's not that easy. It's such a fucking (laughs) reversal. It almost feels like once you flip the switch, you're like, I would be irate. It's, if I if my body was then like, nah, we're good. It's so frustrating because it's not that yeah. I get pregnant. Like, do you know how many times I've spent like I've got well, I've only done because I've never even had a pregnancy scare. I've I've had like I've done plan B a couple times, but it's like mm-hmm. I don't think I was ever even needed to do that. Like knowing now what I know about my body, it's like it was a lot of stress when I was younger yeah. for like nothing. I don't think I was ever gonna get naturally pregnant. But there's also, I mean, some people I guess their fertility window is seems to be larger, but for most people, there's literally like maybe 15 days a year that you can get pregnant. Like the window is fucking tiny. And that's why like, it's so, you know, it sucks. Like when I, when you hear people, they're like, we weren't even trying or we pulled out and they still get pregnant. It makes me want to punch them in the face because it's just like, it's so crazy when you're actually trying to like, you're doing the math and you're looking at the calendars and you're trying to figure out this stuff that people can get pregnant accidentally. I mean, it happens all the time, but obviously like very happy if you, if you're trying to get pregnant or if you're not trying to get pregnant, but you do want a baby and you get pregnant accidentally, of course, congratulations. But it's so crazy to me knowing what I know about how hard it can be and whatever's happening in our world now with like plastic and everything and men with phones in their pockets, just frying their balls and their sperms all the time. Like, we're like, it's going to get harder. I think like we're only kind of making it harder for ourselves right now. And and so it's just, I don't know. I just, I wish I, I wish I knew to like, look at stuff when I was younger, but you don't, you just, you're, you're right. You're, you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to have a baby right now. Like I'm not going to pay attention to any of this. And then you get older and you're like, oh crap, where's everything? What's wrong? What's happening inside of myself? You don't know. Well, I also feel like the state of sex education is like so grim where it's like you just get, I don't know, my my health class was just getting shown a bunch of pictures of like genitalia that had a lot of problems with it, like that had crabs or herpes or something. I know. But yeah, like I didn't know anything about fertility, but you know what I know even less about? So I'm excited that you're a few years older than me so you can do your comedy special about this when it comes. I know nothing about menopause. <laughs> like if you asked me to explain menopause to you, it would be like the saddest, incomplete explanation. I, I know. All I know is that my mom's been going through it since I've known her. 
<laughs> All I know is that my mom has literally said she's been going through menopause since I've been like eight. She's still going through it. That was 30. That's 31 years ago. Yeah. No, my mom's very dramatic and she's probably lying. But everything in her life was like, ah, menopause. Ah, <laughs> roll down the window, <laughs> menopause. And I'm like, how long does this thing last? So I also have no clue. All I know is that I'm trying to have a baby before I go through it. <laughs> Sure, sure. One step Which at is a time. Like, it's so crazy to think, like I literally went to my mother's 40th birthday. Like I was 16, you know? And that makes me crazy to think that I'm turning 40 soon. And that like, if I'm like, I'll have like a newborn, hopefully. It's just a wild, yeah. just age is just, it's, it's, it's wild. But it, this is what, this is the new, this is kind of the thing that's happening. Like people are waiting or, or yeah, it's just, I think we're, we're, we're living life a lot longer than I think women did before. I mean, I mean, we're living, we're kind of like doing our stuff and having careers and just having fun, I guess, until, until this age. Yeah. But picture yourself, picture yourself at 24 with a baby. No, I refuse. I would have broken it. Oh my God. No, <laughs> no. But I thought I would, when I was younger, my plan was like, I want five babies, three before I'm 30, two after. And it's like, I forgot to tell myself like, oh, you're going to need the dad. You know, I just figured it would happen. And a lot of money, like and a lot of money. They are so expensive. Yes. And at 24, I was like working at a restaurant. Like, you know, it was not there was there was no babies in the process of Casey at 24. And then at yeah. 25, I moved to Hawaii. Like there was no fucking way, you know, <laughs> like, I know. No. I think about this all the time. And I was thinking about it a lot at my 40th birthday because my parents were there and we were celebrating. But um, I also attended my mom's 40th birthday and was kicked out because my dad got her a stripper. (laughs) Yeah, but I remember being like, I am old enough to see the stripper. I mean, I think I was 14. Right. Definitely probably not old enough. But I remember being like very hurt that I had because I have two younger sisters and they're like, no, you're all going in the house. Like because there was a restaurant that was attached to our family house. So they like shipped us all back into the house out of the restaurant. And I was like furious about it. But I think about that now. Like I'm like, I could have a 14 year old daughter who was at my party. Like what a different life. What a different life. I know. I'm like, truly like I left my mom's 40th birthday party to go get drunk with my friends. Well, she got drunk with her friends. Like it was just like, (laughs) and we all met back up at my house and unwrapped all her gifts. It was like a weird, but, but yeah, it is. It's definitely like being 39 now and kind of just starting this process. It it definitely makes you like, but I, I, I've loved my life, you know, like I've loved everything I've done. I've being a, a comic has, has afforded me some very cool opportunities. Me and Robbie travel a lot. Like there's just been, you know, I've had, I've had 4am nights where, you know, you kind of, I've had no responsibilities for a really long time besides just kind of making sure I don't get fired from a job that if I need it to pay rent and all that stuff. And it's kind of just been, that's been the extent of what I've needed to take care of. So it is interesting now, but it, it is, I will say, because even when you're trying to get pregnant, you know, they say you're not supposed to eat this and do this and all that. It is hard adjusting a life you've had on your own for so long for this other, to, to try to make this other thing happen. That it is, I could see how, and this is obviously just not, this is not like, a, I mean, this is me just assuming that when you're in your younger twenties and you have a kid, you, you have less, you, you have less of your 
learned kind of like behaviors and things like that. So it's probably a little easier to adjust than when you're 40. And I'm like, I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> you know, like now, now I got to switch no more wine at night. Okay. Okay. Wait, that's hard. <laughs> well, it's also like dating where it's like, I, now that I'm in my thirties, it's like, I'm so settled into I, who I am. That's what but I mean. It's yeah. like, you know, when you're 25 or when I was 25, at least it's like, oh, I'll completely change my personality and everything about myself to match the person no I'm clue, dating. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, you, you don't, this isn't exactly perfect. Like, Ooh, we got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much like you do know when you're older, you do know what you like and what you want and who you are. And it is hard to kind of adjust that as easily as I think I could have. Yeah. When I was 24 and I was like, what do you need me to be? (laughs) (laughs) What would you like me to be? Cause I'll do it. I'm fucking malleable. You know, like I, I'm no one, (laughs) I'm everyone. (laughs) So what's been the reception to this act? I'm just oh, like, yeah. I'm picturing, Grace, do you remember when we did that show in San Francisco? We did a, a live show at Cobb's in San Francisco. Mm, fun. It was really fun, but obviously we are not comedians. And so our live oh, show my God. was like, let's talk to Elizabeth Holmes about royal fashion and Jasmine The good Guillory, Elizabeth Holmes. The good the Elizabeth good one. Holmes. <laughs> yeah. And Jasmine Guillory about romance novels. And like, it was... It, was very not what you would get in a comedy club. Right. And um, three guys wandered in off the street. They like just bought tickets because it was like, you know, Cobb's Comedy Club. They must have looked it up online or something. And they ended up in the audience and we were like, oh, you do not belong here. Yeah. Um, They were really good sports about it. But like we were like, oh, wow, you do not know what you just (laughs) walked into. And I imagine it being similar to like, you know, these bros who go to a comedy show and you're like, and let me tell you about my fertility treatments. Well, here and 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 it is it is definitely a line to walk because I, I try to pride myself and I always have with comedy to be a woman, but that who doesn't alienate men. Um I, I mean I I want to make sure that like I am being funny to everybody. And obviously some of this material isn't going to land with men, but I try to make sure that I incorporate it enough or talk about it in a way that makes it so that it's not, I'm not, um, you don't have to have had this experience or you don't have to have been a woman to get it. Cause I'm explaining to you what it is. And I'm, and I have this whole part now about how being a woman, it, there's so many parts about it that suck, but I, I preface it by being like, but I don't hate men. And I have this whole, like, I do this whole thing about how I don't hate him. So I try to like, it's crazy. Cause as a woman, you do have to kind of for, for guys, you kind of have to, you kind of have to coddle them a little bit before you talk about what you want to talk about. At least that's how I feel. Like I try to give them a couple jokes that are for them before I get into the material that I want to tell to kind of say, it's a safe space. Like, I'm not going to shit on you. I'm just going to talk about my thing real quick. But like, I promise you, like, we're going to get through this and you, and, and I don't, and I hope, and I don't think you're going to hate it. It's like, I try to kind of give them, I, I give, I give the men a moment to shine before I go and I launch into my, my uterus. So it's, you know, <laughs> and I'm not too, too graphic about things. Like I, I hope not. I think I'm doing things in a way that, like I said, I think you could find it funny, even if you aren't a woman or aren't going through it. And I've had men come up to me after shows and like say that their wife went through it or like, you know, like I've had the response from, I've had a lot of women hug me, had a couple women cry. It's really cool. And I've just, it makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing. 
Absolutely. Like I've truly never felt as happy with material as I do when I'm telling this. So even if it doesn't hit sometimes, I still feel like I'm doing something. There's something bigger than just this one show if you didn't like it. One more quick ad break. So I am currently very into the at-home mani-pedi. Ever since I got Olive and June's mani system, I've been doing my nails at home myself. And it's great because it saves me time and money, but I still get the same salon quality look. Olive and June's mani system comes with all the tools that I need for a perfect manicure all in one box. Yes, but the best part is their poppy, which is a patented brush handle that makes it so easy to paint with both of your hands. I am not the greatest at painting my nails, and without the poppy, when I use my left hand to paint my nails, it looks really, really bad. I was joking that it can often look like my two-year-old niece Zoe did it. They have so many great colors. So out of all the colors, I keep going back for CCT. I just think it's the perfect sheer, but like not too sheer, light pink. It's just really, really pretty. I really don't like color on my nails. Like I get bored with it or get like mad at it after like a day or two. But I did go a little bit spicy for Becca's birthday weekend when we were in Mexico and I did lava and that's a bright fiery orange. And that one I've been using on my toes. Like I like a colorful toe, but like sheer or like neutral on my nails. And their polishes last so, so long. I really think that the quality of these polishes is unreal because when I use my Olive and June nail polish, they stay shiny and they don't chip. I also like after like, I'd say like four or five days to do another coat of the top coat. My most recent manicure lasted a week and a half and it still looked perfect when I took it off. Oh, wow. And it's also way more affordable than going to the salon. So when you order the Manny system with six polishes, it breaks down to just $2 a manicure versus I don't know what, you'd spend like $35 getting a manicure at the salon if it's like gel. So I'm going to take those $33 I saved and apparently spend them on yarn so I can knit my sweater. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't say enough good things about these polishes. Getting beautiful salon perfect nails at home is now a dream come true with Olive and June. Your new nail life is here. Visit oliveandjune.com slash BOP and use code BOP for 20% off your first manicure system. This is an exclusive offer that you can only get here. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash BOP, code BOP for 20% off your first manicure system. oliveandjune.com slash BOP, code BOP. Back to the episode. Has the whole thing been like cathartic for you in a way? So much so. Because like I said, like I wasn't even sure how I felt about it until I started writing about it. And then I was like, oh, I'm kind of, I've had a lot of this bottled up. Yeah. Had a, and I've been thinking about a lot of this stuff and pretending like it wasn't happening to me. So as it comes out of my mouth and I, I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, this is me. This is my, you know, I don't like to call it a journey. <laughs> It just feels like something you do in a van and that doesn't seem to work out for women very well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So so this is my experience, I'll call it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very, very cathartic. And like I said, it feels like it's a, it feels like a purpose. Like it feels like, because so many people I know are going through it that it feels like somebody's got to be this, somebody's got to be this voice for it. And if that can be me, then I'm very happy to be that person to have somebody go. And and then also like so many people after shows are like, I'm thinking about you and you're like, I'm sending good vibes. I just have like a lot of good energy 
That's so great. Coming from strangers now, hopefully. So hopefully that yeah. baby, wherever it is, hears it and comes to me. <laughs> yeah. Ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been fun. So wait, tell us about your show that you're doing on the 26th. Okay. So it's called Inconceivable. I actually like, I'm such a sh- nerd. I have like a t-shirt made with my picture on it that says it. I want Casey Balsham merch. <laughs> do you want it? Yeah, I do. I got it. Because I, she I can't her- fucking come to your show. So please. So upset. I was like hoping for some reason when you were traveling, like that you were going to be in New York at that time. She yeah. has her not pregnant hats too, which I'm a big fan I of. I would like that. Question. You're recording it though, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm filming it because like I said, I, I feel like there's a lot of people going through it. And so I'm, I'm hoping that, um, I'm just kind of like self-producing. I have a friend actually that's helping me produce it. And uh, another friend that's helping me with like cameras. And then I have a couple people that have offered to kind of, uh, you know, just talk about it with some people maybe in bigger, bigger arenas that, that might say, Hey, other people might want to see it. And if not, I'll just release it on YouTube on my own and, and, and it'll still be out there for people to connect with. But the show is, yeah, it's going to be mainly jokes. I want it to mainly be funny, but there will be some storytelling aspect of, of, uh, you know, kind of my thoughts and feelings through the whole thing. But, um, but yeah, it just it's gonna be hopefully more funny and 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 hopefully um, anyone that needs to relate to it can and people that aren't going through it will still enjoy it. That's like I yeah. said, the, the whole the main thing is to not alienate anybody that doesn't hasn't gone through it just to make just to make a funny. Do you think that male comedians <laughs> uh, are? as uh, thoughtful about their audiences when they're telling like gross sex jokes. Like you're like, no, I just want no. to make sure that like <laughs> the men know that it's okay. And like, I'm thinking no. of like the vile standup acts that I've seen before. And I'm like, yeah, wow, imagine if there was this level of, uh, of mutual trying respect. to butter the women up. <laughs> no, I, I no. you have to be very careful when you're a female comic, because I think men don't want to like you anyway. Not not all men, you know, but I do think that there's a lot of guys that see a female comic and, and, and assume we're going to talk about female stuff. So when I do that, I try to tell them like, no, but you guys are really good with meat. You know, like I, I say things like, I'm like, you press meat and you know, when it's done, it's incredible. You know, like I, try, like, <laughs> I, try, I try to really That's like what build you're them bringing up. to this. Yeah. I'm like, you guys, you set up the cable. It's really incredible what you do. Like, you know, things on Amazon that I don't even know where the wire, like I try to make them feel very special. And then I'm like, but it sucks to be a woman. And then, and then usually they're still on, on board because I've, I've given them a little meat, meat talk, you know, meat talk. Yeah. I I think that is something that, that women have to think about more than men. Of course. Casey's next stand up special meat talk, (laughs) meat talk, just me with my arms crossed meat talk with Casey B. Yeah. I'm for it. I have one last question for you before we let you go. I know that you're an enormous Broadway aficionado and I need you to tell me what are the shows that you're most excited to see now that Broadway is coming back so that I can then go see them with you or I can like make my list. Absolutely. Okay. So I've already seen three. Um, I have tickets for like three or three, no, four more. First off, I am, I'm seeing Mrs. Doubtfire on the night that it opens. What? And I, I can't even, I, I, I don't. How did you get those tickets? I just threw a pen cap across the room. <laughs> <laughs> it was just when tickets were, when like, when shows were announced, I just happened to get on. I saw Wicked the day after it opened, but I really wanted to get to one show 
on the day that it came back. And, and Mrs. Doubtfire just happened to be the one that I went to. They're bringing back Slave Play, which I heard was very good. And I really want to see that one. It okay. was nominated for a bunch of Tonys. It didn't win anything. And I also, this is going to be, this is, uh, the cheese might stand alone, but Beetlejuice, I thought was so fun. And they're bringing it back in like March. I think I would it's, be into that. It's yeah, silly. Beetlejuice is so silly. I loved it as a kid. I would definitely see that on on Broadway. It's it was really like I saw it in DC and then I saw it on Broadway and then since it's closed during the pandemic I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot Ooh. and got like kind of like re into it and then I want to see 6 again. Oh, 6 was so Which good. Which is what we saw right before the world ended. Before you <laughs> manifested the pandemic. Before I was like I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have um, our list. Yes, and I'll t- I'll 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 think of some more too. Okay. Cuz I'm seeing girl a girl from North Country I haven't seen, but I'm seeing that it's a Bob Dylan musical, which oh, could I never be, even heard of that. I listen, stick with me, I'll tell you all of them. Okay. I'll tell you all of them. But yes, that's like the other thing I'm so excited that it's back. Can you tell people whether they want to come see your stand-up special or they want Broadway recs or they just want to follow you where they can find you on the internet and where they can get tickets to the show. Yes, absolutely. And thank you guys uh, so much for having me. I am at Casefaceb on Instagram, C-A-S-E-F-A-C-E-B. Uh, the Shady Shit Podcast comes out every Friday. Um, and in my bio on Instagram, I've got a little link that you can see the show. It's called Inconceivable. It's on October 26th. It's a big Tuesday night. Go up on a Tuesday. Uh, the tickets are only $10, no drink minimum. So you can be wasted. You can be sober. You can be pregnant. I don't care. Come, come as you are. Um, <laughs> se- seven or nine 30. Yeah. Everything. And then my merch is for sale on my website as well. My not pregnant hats and shirts. So if you're trying to get pregnant and just want to have a laugh about it, if you're a guy and you know, it's funny cause you can't get pregnant or if you're just tired of people asking you when you're going to get pregnant, buy a dang hat, let them know. Oh. Wait, hold up one sec. Tell people about your podcast because we didn't even talk about your podcast. Shady shit. It's kind of a, it's true crime-esque in the way that we, I just talk about all kinds of, just anything that you'd be like, uh, I'm not sure about that. So it's murders, it's cults, it's MLMs, it's McDonald's, it's witches, it's weird shit. It's everything, everything fun. All the best stuff. All the best stuff. And what I a just, cross I, section. I know. And I just semi lose my mind over there. Sometimes I do solo apps and I just can't even re-listen to them because I'm like, I don't know what happened. Just post. See ya. <laughs> so come on over. We're having a good time. I'm thinking of starting a TikTok with it. <laughs> oh, will there be dances or it's not that kind of TikTok? Uh, it's not that kind of, I, okay. it's not that kind. It's going to be, it's going to be a 39 year old woman trying to figure out TikTok, TikToks. Oh, well, I was hoping that it was going to be like scams and dancing, scam dancing. Stop. Now I have to do scam dancing. Oh my God. It would be fun. Scam dancing should be the name of the podcast. Scam dancing. Scam dancing. <laughs> I like Tune scam dancing. Tune in to scam dancing. Yes. And Becca has been on the podcast. Grace, have- do you want to do the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'll find us a nice murder. Yeah, I love murder. Like you, you're everything you just described is like what I like to read about. So it's all my interests. Okay, we're doing it because I'm yeah. reading this book right now that is so disturbing, and I I thought it was fiction is the fake one, right? Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was fiction, but it's nonfiction, and it is so scary. What's the book? It's called If You Tell by Greg Olson. It's a story of this woman named Shelley Notek who just was a monster 
just that sounds right up my alley. I will read this with you. I will talk about it, whatever you want. <laughs> Grace, it's so disturbing. Like, cause it wasn't until like a couple pages in where I was like, this is a true story. But then by then I was hooked. It like gave me a stomach ache, but I'm also like, it's the most fascinating thing I've ever read. This woman is psychotic. It's called If You Tell by Greg Olson. I'm writing it down. I'm gonna order that. Yeah, I just have it on um my Kindle. It's like me at the doctor's before my doctor comes in to examine my eggs. It's just like, and then she kicked him in the head and killed his dog. And I'm like, and ready to be a mom. You know, it's just, it's like, <laughs> like, I'm like, not well. Oh my God. <laughs> it's fucking psycho. Yes. Oh man. All right. Fun one. Well, you've been such a great guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. It was nice to see both your faces. Yeah. It was so nice to see your face in a Good little to box catch on my Zoom. I'm excited to see it in person tomorrow. I know. I know. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's get into some end matter. Yeah. I once again don't have an Instagram obsession and neither do you. No. But I have an obsession and it's red hot. It's, my, <laughs> it's knitting my sweater. I wouldn't say it it's is, red hot. I'd say it's pink hot. It's pink hot. I it's hot pink. am like in – like I'm so deep in the hole of like – I did all this maniacal research on patterns. Uh, the pattern I'm using for the sweater, it's called um, the weekend sweater. I got it on Etsy from a shop called Darling J'adore. But I like did so much pattern research and so much yarn research. And I started following all these new accounts on Instagram. I, I didn't make any of them my, my obsession, but I'm now following like a decent amount of Swedish knitting Instagrams. I don't understand anything they say or like the text, but like it, Everything they make is very beautiful, but I'm like fully obsessed. You're going to be hearing about this a lot over the next few months because if my first sweater was any indication, it's going to take a while. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to see how it comes out. I hope it's good. I just, the problem is that I was, Rachel was here over the weekend on Sunday. She was picking up the dog and I was knitting my sweater and I was like, my goal whenever I knit something is for somebody to compliment it and then for me to be able to be like, oh, I made it. Like, I want it to look store-bought. So, like, I don't like things that look handmade. Like, I want it to look store-bought. So, like, I have – I'm, like, pretty maniacal about it needing to be perfect. So I'm just going to, like, take it slow and take my time because, oh, like, I don't, I don't want there to be mistakes in it. You're going to be great. That was my favorite part when I used to make jewelry. Like, remember when my blog was more about, like, mm -hmm. DIYs? And people would be like, where did you buy that? And I'd be like, I made it. It's yeah. like, it's such a good feeling. I can do that for hats. Like, hats are my specialty, I feel like. And I can make a hat that looks store-bought. But this is only my second sweater. So I'm trying to give myself grace. But um, I bought expensive yarn this time. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. Great. I can't wait to see. What's yours? So... Mine is, it's also kind of an Instagram obsession too. It's Yacht Rock Review. I, last Friday, went to a concert with Molly, Jackie, and Chastity and their husbands, and it was the greatest. So I love Yacht Rock. It's like slow, like, I don't know, it's like 70s, like slow rock. Like look up Yacht Rock. I've shared a playlist Wait, before. Is Yacht Rock a genre or is Yacht Rock the name of the band? I think both. Like, Yacht Rock is kind of its own genre. If you look for, like, Yacht Rock playlists on Spotify, like, tons will pop up. But Yacht Rock Review, R-E-V-U-E, -E, is the band. Okay. And they are amazing. I need to, like, research them a little bit more, but I think they're, like, four dads 
like in tight jeans, just up like singing their hearts out. And it was, Chastity was funny. She was like, it's the best concert I've ever been to. And it wasn't even like people singing their own songs, but we're all now like stalking them on Instagram. It was the most fun. We went to the Windjammer, um, which is on Isle of Palms. But I looked up their tour schedule. I mean, there's one in Albany. I would definitely go to Albany if I lived in New York and had a car. Albany is not close to here. I know, but it would be so fun. Oh, it was man. the most fun ever. Like I can't even describe. Like I, I was just singing the whole time. Like I had a sore throat the next day because I was just like singing my heart out. I think also like. I haven't been to a concert in like a couple of years because of the, the pandemic and everything. And this was all outside. So I felt a little bit like fine, but it was amazing. It was so much fun. I just bought tickets to my first concert since the pandemic. I mean, we're kind of still in a pandemic, but I'm going to a concert anyway. Um, so Spencer Sutherland, who was the actor slash singer who played Lincoln in Vote for Love, the second rom-com pods season is on tour and he's like an actual musical artist. And um, I bought tickets to a show in Brooklyn. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, it's in November. I'm excited. Nice. What about reading? Okay, so I read two amazing thrillers this week. The first is called Goodnight Beautiful by Amy Malloy. And I talked like a little bit about this last week. It's about this couple that moves to like a smaller town out of New York. So he's a therapist. She's kind of bored and figuring things out. You can hear all of his conversations with the clients from upstairs. And then one day he disappears and there's this whole mystery. There are two enormous twists like that like threw me for a loop. Like it's one of the best thrillers I've read in ages. I just like absolutely loved it. I still can't stop thinking about it. The next one is Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier. And I think there's been a lot of chatter about this online because things I bought and liked posted about it. And first of all, her and I have very similar taste in books. Like we both love like a Gone Girl ripoff cheesy kind of thriller with like an, like mostly female cast. And this was excellent. I will tell you. Something was up last week, like between like the UTI and like some other shit that happened in my house. First, my first copy didn't come. I contacted Amazon. They sent me a second copy and it was printed like backwards, like and upside down. Oh, I thought that that was part of the book. I no. missed that this was an error. And I thought it's, like, I can't remember. There's this book uh, that my friend was obsessed with. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it is like that. Like it's like some are written backwards or something. Like I thought it was like a choice. No, the whole first half of the book was misprinted and I was like, you know what? I really want to read this book. Like things I bought and liked was like gushing about it. And like I built up so much suspense for it and I needed to read it. And I did. And I loved it. So wait, was it literally printed so that like you had to read right to left? Or was it just that you had to turn the book upside down? I had to turn the book upside down. And then the pages were printed where I had to read the first page on the right first and then the left. Okay. And then halfway through, I had a pleasant surprise and the book was printed properly. (laughs) But this one's about a woman who um, her son vanishes out of thin air and no one can find them. And there's this like whole investigation into his disappearance. And she hires a private investigator who then discovers that her husband is having an affair. And she kind of channels all of that energy of like the loss of her son and finding him into like taking down his mistress. And it's kind of like a takedown, but there's some pretty big twists. There's one twist that like, I just was like, oh, my God. And this was just another one where I couldn't stop thinking about it. Okay. Good week for 
Yeah. I guess maybe not mur- maybe murders, disappearance books. Yeah, and I can't decide what to read next. I'm going to pack a couple of books for the plane ride and, you know, like if I can't sleep while I'm in Vienna because I get so jet lagged, but I don't know what to read next. I don't know that I have any suggestions that are up your alley. So I finish. <laughs> I have a, I have a stack like of, to choose okay. from. I'm just trying to pick. I don't need a okay. recommendation. So I, I finished The Perfect Find by Tia Williams. And Tia Williams is the author of Seven Days in June. And this is the book that she wrote before that. And what I found out through her following her on Instagram is that they're currently filming it to be a Netflix movie. And Gabrielle Union is going to be the starring role. So I'm very excited to see it. I really enjoyed it. I I really like Tia Williams' writing style. Like it's she she's very funny on the page. Um, yeah, and I think the version of romance that she writes in both of her books, the characters. This character is a little messier, but like her characters are in their 40s, and they're just like a little bit more street smart than the usual rom com protagonist who's like ditzy and you know, making terrible choices. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. And if you're somebody who likes to read the book before they watch the movie, definitely, I don't know when the movie is coming out, but definitely pick this up. And then I started, I'm almost done with um, Wild at Heart by K.A. Tucker, which is the second book in that series that I started on vacation about the woman who goes to Australia and falls in love with a guy that I'm not, I'm not quite hate reading it, but it's not great. It's not, it's not, people love it. And I read the book because I wanted to know what the hype was about. The main character is a blogger and she's like purposefully insufferable and like very high maintenance so that when she goes to Alaska, it's like fish out of water, culture shock. I don't love her. I don't love the love interest, but for some reason I'm like deeply invested in this book, even though I don't love either character. Yeah. And so this is the second book and I feel the same way, but I'm voraciously reading it, even though I like don't love the characters. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm reading that. And then I, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to read next just because I feel like it is October related. So if anyone else wants to read it, I feel like I wouldn't want to read it in November. So I bought this book called The X-Hex. And oh, that just came in the mail. I just got a copy of that. So I'm not usually like a spooky season person. Like Halloween is not my not my holiday of choice. But so first of all, it's written by Aaron Sterling, which is a pen name for Rachel Hawkins, who I saw wrote that. the Royals, that Royals series. And she wrote The Woman Upstairs, or is The Woman Upstairs? I think it was The Woman Upstairs. I Whatever that book was that she wrote, I loved it. She's right. a really versatile writer. Exactly. So I was interested because of that. And then also, I read, I can't remember where I read this, but basically like the plot summary was like, it's hocus pocus, but they fuck. And I was like, yeah, I'm into this. So I ordered it and it's uh, it's on its way to me. So I'm going to read it next before October expires and I have no interest in it. You'll have to let me know how you like it because Halloween is my season. I don't like anything that's like spooky. Like I like like murder and I like dressing up for costume parties. But like if I, you say spooky to me, I get like really cringe. It's a witch book. Okay. So it's like it's and I yeah. like I like witch books. And if you need something to read, definitely check out our October book, which is A Special Place for Women by Laura Hankin. This is a book that's kind of based around a women's membership club similar to The Wing, but there is a wonderful twist, and you'll see why we chose it for our October book. But I, we both love this book and have been waiting to have it as our book club pick since we read it like months and months ago. 
So we'll be discussing that the last Wednesday of the month. And in the meantime, uh, if you want more of us, you can follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast or join our Facebook group. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I almost just said my blog is stripe.com. So I'll let you go. <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. My blog is thestripe.com. Also check out the fiction podcast that Becca um, <laughs> creates, directs, and produces since we're clearly talking about each other's projects today. Uh, it's called Rom-Com Puds, and thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.